you know, we were teaching, preaching, then all of a sudden I recognized that, you know, a lot of them have no background in church history. And so we've had to really go back to the very basics and start which, hey, there's nothing wrong with the basics. I'm just telling you. And so we've been going back and we've been going back um, and we've been teaching on prayer. And see, what a lot of people don't understand about prayer is this. God can send nothing from heaven unless it's first been prayed here for on earth. You say, God, why aren't you working in my situation here? Because you don't understand, you need to be praying about those things. If you're just wanting God to do, this is what the Bible says. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Alright, Jesus said that you've got to pray the things here on earth that are not like they should be, like the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be. We have to pray them. Because, see, heaven is an exchange. We have to send prayer up so God can send blessing down. And if you want to get into the, the theological side of it all, read the book of Daniel where it says Daniel prayed for 21 days and he said the Lord heard your prayer on the first day and he sent the answer. He did not send the answer until Daniel prayed on the first day. All right, there's, there's all kinds of... The Bible says you have not because you what? Ask not. See, I mean, there's, so I just want to challenge you this morning. Don't just put positive thinking and wanting God to change your situation. Do your part. The Bible says faith without works is dead. You can believe all you want to, but until you pray, the Bible says what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, you've got to make sure the most important thing you can do as a believer is get a good prayer life. It will change everything in your life. It will allow God to begin to move on your behalf, move in your situation. You say, well, Cricket, I've been standing on the promise. Pray the promise. There's a scripture that says that they kept bringing back before the Lord what He had said to them. I, you gotta, I'm telling you, get a prayer life. Amen? It's not what we're preaching on today. That's what I'm preaching on Wednesday nights. All right, so today I am pumped about everything going on and all the situations happening. Uh, but I'm really, one of the most excited things I am is about what's going to happen after church today. Because we are actually starting, we, we have shifted things for, for the last 40 plus years. The Victory Church um, and the campuses they have always had a membership class. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was tough. <laughs> it, it was 12 weeks. I don't know if you've been through our... We, we, when we were in the mall here, we offered the 12-week membership class there. And we offered it once in this building. And I've got to be honest, 12 weeks is tough to attend consecutively in today's, in today's society. I mean, either get called out to work or, you know what I'm saying, uh, during a 12-week span. So we, we have watched over the years the tendency for our membership as in what we call a voting member of the Victory Church to change. Because honestly, people can't, it's hard to make a 12-week commitment. And so um, what we began to do is here at the Victory Eldorado Church, three years ago, we took those 12 weeks and we tried to condense them down to six. And I don't know if you came to it, this whole section was full here. I did two weeks, Pastor Jason did two weeks, Pastor Donald did two weeks, and we were just machine gunning, shooting this information at you because what we were teaching is where we were, where victory came from, where victory is, where victory is going, but it also, we went into great detail teaching on the, the belief systems we have at the church. And so, 
I got to be honest with you, six weeks is a hard commitment for people to make an hour extra beyond regular service time. And so what we've done now is we've uh, tried to streamline what we call our membership. And there's a reason for it. Right now in the process of the Victory Church, we right now are one church, four locations, but we're in the process now of causing each one of our campuses to become their own church with their own governing bodies in the midst of them. What I mean by that is this. Right now, as the way the Victory Church stands, is we uh, have a, a deacon board that sits over the, deacon, uh, over the um, Victory Ministries, and they, the truth be told, they all attend Camden Church, because that's where they were birthed from. Some of the deacons have been with us for 30 plus years. One of our deacons is 93 years old. Brother Johnny Jones. Another one of the deacons is Brother Donald's sister, Thelma McRae. I mean, we've got some amazing deacons, but I'm just going to, we'll just talk logistics. One of them is 90-something years old. So we see changing needing to begin to take place. Because what's happening is, because it's, the Bible's clear about it, it's appointed unto every man wants to go home to be with the Lord. And what will take place is if the Lord doesn't come back before that it, some of our deacons that have been right, uh, residing over us for multiple years are going to be going home to be with the Lord. And then what would happen is they'd be being voted on and replaced and some of the deacons that would be coming into place don't know any of who we are because they'll be of a younger generation and those kind of things. So what the board has decided to do is each member, each, I mean, each campus will begin to move into having their own governing body of deacons in each campus, which praise God, because we definitely want deacons in this campus that know us and our people, amen? So we are beginning the process to make all of that take place. We have, we've moved into the process of causing us to get a 501c3. In other words, we'll be our standalone nonprofit religious organization as the Victory Elderated Campus Church. We will still be under the leadership of Pastor Jerry. He will always be my pastor. He will always be the pastor over this campus. But we will legally be standing on to make that happen. We have to have a, have to have a deacon board come in out of us that meets monthly and yearly to help us make the decisions that we'll be making going forward. Saying all that to say this, to get a deacon board, you need voting members. Right? And so, because we don't pick the deacon, the deacon board, you guys do. There are certain qualifications that the Bible gives us that we follow for people to be able to be a deacon and overseer of the church. But at the same point, we don't pick them and I don't get a vote in the deacon board. I mean, on the deacon, they are the ones that do the vote. We present things to them and they vote according to the big business decisions and those kind of things like that. Saying all that to say this, I need, because there's some people in here that have been so committed into this church for five, ten, three, many years, and they're not voting members. And so we have, what we've had to do is we've been really looking at how to change the way we've always done things to make them usable and doable for us. So what we have, we have began to step in the process of doing our membership class in three steps. Now, today when church is over, we will be having pizza and a meal provided and in a one hour class, Brother Yvette will be sharing who we are, where we came from, who we are, and where we're going. This is our called our membership step, step one. In this class today, they will be just giving you the 
outlined information. They will be giving you, you say, well, how are you getting 12 weeks into one hour? Well, you get to take home some stuff now. <laughs> we will be going over our beliefs, but we won't be going into them on detail. You will be given a packet to where you can go through them on detail, but we understand your time is very important, so we, we've streamlined it a bit. But if you are interested and you feel like this is your church and you want to be a part of helping choose the leadership of this campus or this church in the next several months, you need to attend this class. We're going to be offering every month, um, once a month, Brother Yvette will be teaching these, these steps. Because the first step is connection, who we are, or where we were, who we are, and where we're going. Then that will be followed up by um, the next step will be finding your destiny. Because what we are doing as a church, we believe this. Our motto is to, our vision is to, number one, know God. There's no sense in doing what we're doing if God's not involved in this thing. And so every time we come together, we try to center it or try to plan it or try to make it about all of us connecting to God at a deeper level. So that's what we, we are, our hopes are here today is that when you came in, I don't know whether you're a part of the church or you're visiting with us, but when you came in, we pray and our prayer is, and we've been praying all week, that at some point in this service, you will connect to God and God will reveal himself to you. And you will have a moment where God changes something on the inside of you toward when you, the way you came in it will not be the way you go out. You say, well, Cricket, I like the way I came in, but he only makes you better. And so we pray that somewhere in this service, you'll connect. And whether it was the worship, whether it was the praise, whether it be in the message, whether it be... So we pray that you know God. Number two, we, we believe that everybody in this church should find freedom. God's will is not... You can be saved and you can still be bound. You can be saved and you can still be hooked. You can be saved and still be living the way the world lives. And we believe that God's desire is us to find freedom. And so that's our next step is for us to find freedom. We believe that's done two ways. One, the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God does the free. Number two, you walk it out with others. I've never met anybody that got free and was able to stay free without them connecting with other believers. Because, you know, the Bible says even Adam, when God was in the garden, it was God and Adam in the garden. Two people in the garden. God and Adam. They were walking in the garden, the Bible says, in the cool of the day. And then all of a sudden God realized, hey, this is not good for man to be alone. Weird statement. Because it was God and it was Adam. He was not alone. But God also knew this. You need to be connected to people here. That's why he's in his perfect design. He's made the body of Christ for you to connect with people. And so we believe God does the freeing, but we also believe your connections to the body of Christ help you walk that out. So we believe in you being a part of the community that's here. I've got to be honest with you. I'm so glad my friends go to church with me. I'm so glad that if I'm struggling, I can pick up the phone and call somebody. I'm so glad that I'm connected to a body that will help me walk through whatever the world throws at me to walk through. So, number one, we, we find, know God. Number two, find freedom. Number three, we help you discover your purpose. Number two class, this week is Connect Membership. Next week, Brother, Brother Yvette will be teaching how to find your purpose. Now, this is not us um, designed doing it. We have got the best of the best. Giftings test, personality test, leadership test that... Brother Yvette will be taking you through these steps. And when it's over, professionally done, it, in that one-hour class next week, it will tell you what you or your, the makeup God made you. We call it your shape, your spiritual giftings, your heart, you know, uh, your attitude, your path. It's all that. It can, to where you find what God put you here to do. 
Because you were made a specific way by God to fulfill a specific purpose. And i got to be honest with you, you're not going to be fulfilled until you do it. You can try however you want to. You can try to find fulfillment at work. You can try to find fulfillment in relationships. You can try to find fulfillment in money. You can find, but you will not be fulfilled until you discover what God put you here to do. And so next week, Brother Vett will be teaching that class, helping you, not teaching, he'll be taking you through personality profiles and all that kind of stuff that no, they don't determine whether you're sane or not. What they do determine is you know, what your heart strings are and what what your giftings are and those kind of things. So that will be the next step. And then thirdly, it will place you on a team. We believe that there's teams here. And this is what I'm excited about, all the different teams we're going to be starting. Um, Like I've got a vision for, you know, um, I would love for there to be a team of men to where if a member in our church calls and says, hey, you know, my back porch just collapsed. We got a group of men that say, you know what? My gifting is with my hands. My gifting is with tools. My ga- and we can go put something like that together for a member of our body. I mean, I, I got dreams and visions for us. We're putting together all these different teams. And we, those that, you know, that is their giftings and that is their call and that's where you're from. We're going to be doing those kind of stuff, but that will be coming out over the next several weeks. But today, going back to, and then the last cl- class or step is to move into leadership. If you have a desire to move into leadership in this church, there will be the fourth class will be teaching you or showing you how to get into leadership and you begin to step and take those parts. But so those are the, that's the layout, but today is number one. And if you have a desire to be a voting member in this church, hey, give us an hour today. We'll feed you. Brother Vetter tell you where we came from, who we are, where we're going, and what we believe while we're doing all that. And so it's a great class. You'll be able to eat and all that. So real quick, just because I want to make sure we order enough pizza since this is our first one. um, If you are interested in staying over for that, because they're going to be watching, they're about to get a count. If you plan on staying today, would you simply raise your hand so we know how many pizzas to get? So we got... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. So twenty-five is what I would say. Thank you, sir. He's gonna go get your pizza ordered. All right. So praise God. That's all my news. <laughs> cool. Are y'all ready to jump into what we're talking about today? I am pumped. Now, the movie that we're, we're, if you're visiting with us, we're doing a series called At the Movies. And the movie we picked today, uh, you have not got to see yet because it does not come out till Friday. So, since it's not coming out till Friday, I had to go way back to the 1994 version and steal most of the content. All right? So, we've put as much new content into this as we can. At the same point, there is a lot of old content. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. It's hard to believe that uh, God could use Walt Disney to teach the gospel at the level that they did in this movie. But we're going to be exploring today in the movie called The Lion King. And if you're not into cartoons, this Friday, the real version is released. And it's going to be powerful. But to me, probably the most important lesson in your walk with the Lord can be found into this movie. I want real quick, we're going to go to um, Genesis. Joe, this is not on your notes, but Genesis 2, chapter 16. I want to read it in the NIV real quick. If you're not familiar with the movie... How many of you guys have seen The Lion King? Every parent in the room raised their hand. How many of you guys haven't seen The Lion King? If you don't have kids or hadn't had kids since 1994, you probably haven't. But this, 
this is probably the greatest lesson that you can learn out of the entire scripture. If I had to pick one thing that I had a complete revelation on, it would be this idea right here. Now, I want to read this scripture to you real quick. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free. Everybody say, You are free. To eat from every tree in the garden. That's as far as we're going to go right there because I needed you before I jump into the next scripture, I needed you to see what the first three three words in this scripture said. Because what happened just one chapter over, which is Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 1, Joe. One chapter back, the Lord said, you are free. In Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts in the field, which the Lord had made. Now, I want you to understand this real quick, too. It says, The Lord said the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts. The devil is not smarter than you. You've got to know that going into this. The devil is not smarter than you. He was more cunning than the beasts, not the man. Alright? So, going into this... The statement of the devil made me do it doesn't hold water anymore. Because the devil is not smarter than you. You are made in the image and likeness of God. You are not a beast. You are not a monkey. You are not evolutionized into something that was just random. God designed you. He made you. And the idea that the devil is smarter than we are is just not true. Now, he's cunning, and he may be more cunning than we spend time... He's got a lot of time on his hand. He's been here for a long time and had a lot of time to think about and make plans, but he's not smarter than we are. As a matter of fact, in the evolutionary track of the cunningness of the devil, he's trying to convince people that they came from monkeys. You know, even in the evolutionary track where you've seen the monkey that starts here and then the... The track where they get bigger and bigger, I should have put it on the screen. Do you know, halfway through that evolutionary step up, they invented a make-believe animal standing there? Because halfway through it, all of a sudden the monkey that had four hands, all of a sudden has two feet and two hands. There's never been a monkey found that has two feet and two hands. As a matter of fact, every fossil to bone all the way back, every monkey has had four hands. So the very idea that we came from monkeys is made up and has to be used, has to be in a, a figment of our imagination because they created a creature that does not exist. I'm saying that to say this. You're smarter than the devil. It says he was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not... Now, what did God really say? What were the first three letters God said? First three words. He says, you are free. The devil takes the same statement that God told, the first thing that God told him, he says, you are free. The devil took those words and he says, you shall not. As soon as the devil starts trying to talk about God. He tries to start twisting our understanding of the God that made us, the God that loves us, and the God that longed to have a relationship with us at the beginning. See, we read that sometimes. Like, yeah, that's, that's what the devil said. I mean, that's what God said. God said, we shall not. 
But God said you are free. Anytime you've got a thought that God is trying to keep you from something, God is trying to stop you from enjoying this life, God is trying to put you in a place of dictatorship and control, you need to understand God made you. He loves you. He longed for a relationship with you. And the devil, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25, speaks words against the Most High to change the way we think about Him and change the way that we perceive Him. And so when the devil started talking to Eve here, he says, God said you can't. When really God says you can. And so going into this, this is where the first lie began. Because when he told that lie, the first question mark to appear in the Bible is in what he said. The devil's main goal is to try to get you to question who God is, how God loves, but then most importantly, who you are. If the devil can make you question who you really are, he's already won the battle. The greatest battle that you will fight as a believer is the battle for your identity. People don't know who they are. And when you don't know who you are, you don't know what you can do. When you don't know who you are, you don't know what freedom you have. When you don't know who you are, you don't know what's available in your life. And so today we're going to be talking about identity. Because one thing you need to know going into this, God always, when He speaks, He speaks in the language of destiny. You have a destiny. Your destiny, the Bible says, I knew you. I know the plans that I have for you. They're good. They're not evil. They're to give you a future and a hope. God said He knew your end from your beginning. God says in Psalms 139 that you were wonderfully and beautifully created. He knew you and formed you in your, before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knows your inward parts. What I'm telling you is this. God knows who you are. But if you go through your whole life not knowing who you are, you'll never be what God called you to be. God always speaks destiny. Man always speaks identity. Now, men are real good at this. If you, you know, girls, they, they, it's amazing how women, God made men and women different. When, when you go up and you get two ladies to come up and sit and talk and meet, you know, women instantly start going into, into um, real issues. They, you know, they, they talk about how many kids you got and, you know, all the, the feelings. Of guys, when you get two guys coming up talking to each other, first they say, what you do? Oh, I'm a mechanic. A mechanic, yeah, I'm a bus driver. Yeah, whatever. We always try to put identity on who we are. And because man speaks identity and God speaks destiny, a lot of times when God speaks to us, we don't understand who He's speaking to because we don't know who we are. When God showed up to Gideon, He says, Mighty man of valor. Gideon said, oh no, I'm the least of the least. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the, from the smallest tribe. When God showed up to Peter, Peter said, you know, Jesus said, your name's not Simon, which means weak reed. Your name is Peter, which means rock. God speaks destiny. You know, a lot of times people will get real close to what it is, who you are. But the only person that can ever tell you who you really are is God. 
In the book of Matthew, the Bible says that Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said this. He said, who do they say that I am? And his disciples said, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet. And that was close. That was pretty close to who Jesus was. But then Jesus said this. He says, but who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the son of God. And Jesus instantly stopped and he said this. He says, the only way you could know that is if the Father God revealed it to you. You need to know something. I don't care what anybody has called you your whole life. If you've been called stupid, if you've been called idiot, if you've been called the black sheep, if you've been called the mistake, if you've been called unwanted, nobody can tell you who you are. Do you know why nobody can tell you who you are? Because nobody made you but God. And God is the only one who can tell you who you are because He's the one that made you. And you need to know this too. Mistakes don't define you. The only defining in your life is what God made you to be. So we're going to jump into this story real quick. And I'm going to read real quick again though. Uh, Joe, we'll go back into Genesis 3 because I'll stay on my notes. In verse 7 it says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they had sewn fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking. I love that God makes sound. Don't you? (laughs) You know, you don't got to worry about God being the tiptoe guy behind you trying to catch you doing what you're not supposed to be doing. If you're listening for God, you will always hear God. And the cool thing about it is, He's not a quiet person. Bible says that, you know, saying they heard that there was one battle coming on, and they said this when you hear the wind blow on the top of the trees, and it sounds like, see, God makes a sound. So if you're so afraid that God's going to find out what you did, He already knows. And he destined you anyway. Says he knew your ending from your beginning. God has never been caught off guard by a single mistake you made. And so the Bible said God made a sound. It says, and they heard the sound. And it says uh, of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees in the garden. And the Lord called out to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now, you need to know this. God did not ask Adam where he was because God did not know. He wasn't asking where he was. He was asking Adam, do you know where you are? You're supposed to be here. I designed you to be here. I want you to be here. But you're not here, so where are you? He wasn't asking because he didn't know. He was asking because he wanted to make Adam aware. That he was somewhere he was never designed to be. And then it says, And the Lord God called Adam and says, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. Now again, it says he heard the Lord coming. So God made a sound. Here it put a, a word to that sound. It says, I heard your voice. God's not sneaking up on anybody. The Bible says he's actually calling. He's always calling you. And so he says, we heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? I'm going to start this and then we're going to kick into our movie. God speaks destiny. We place identity. Where we find our identity is where we find our, our positioning. 
At this moment, Adam considered himself to be a sinner. And he quit being what God had made him, which was in his image. When we allow our circumstance, our situation, our past, and our mistakes, or where we came from to determine who we are, and not just where we are, what happens is we miss the destiny that God has for us. And so going into it, he says, who told you that? There's always multiple voices speaking into our lives, trying to tell us who we are. For years, I had an idea of who I thought I was, and I told myself that. For years, I had someone else, other people in my life, tell me who they thought I was. And for years, there were circumstances, failures that I'd made, situations that I had done that had told me who I was. But I was not free until I had an encounter with God one day. And He called me by name. Today, my prayer for you is before you get out of here, you hear God call you. And you walk out of here knowing who you really are. So we're going to go through the Lion King, which is a story of a little lion born to a king with a purpose and a destiny. And how he almost missed what he could accomplish or do or what the will for his life was. Here we go.
destiny is what you would have to say everyone in here is a lot of problem the problem is a lot of people don't understand what destiny means or destiny is destiny is this you are an answer to something in this world that needed an answer to and a solution that God sent to change somebody's destiny or change somebody's eternity There was a brokenness, there was a problem, there was something that God looked down on this planet and in this time and at this moment and He said, there's a problem and I'm going to send an answer. Adam was the very same thing. God had a desire, He had a need, so He created Adam. He saw Adam, He said, Adam is lacking something, there's a desire, there's a need, he gave Eve. And since that moment in time, every moment after, every person that has ever been born on this planet was born as an answer to a problem or a need. The problem with it is, a lot of times, the enemy is able to convince us that we're the one with the problem, and we need God to send us an answer. Here in the story of the Lion King, that little lion was born with a destiny and a purpose. That's what you are. The Bible says for every purpose, there is a time and a season. This is your time and this is your season. If you look at that in Ecclesiastes 3, it's with a capital P. You only name people, places, or things with capital letters in the middle of a sentence. That means it's a noun. A purpose is you. And a purpose is me. Now, some of us think that because of the purpose that God put us here for, we have to measure up to some certain kind of a standard. What you need to understand is you will never measure up. But it's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, the very last scripture there, it says that when Jesus, before He had ever done any work or any ministry before as a matter of fact the Bible says that his ministry began it says that Jesus had an encounter with God he was the son of God but yet he still had an encounter with God I don't believe and people may challenge me on this thought pattern if you want to I don't believe 
that Jesus had ever found or heard exactly who he was to this moment in time. Now, we understand the Bible says he saw himself in the scripture, so up to this point, he, he had faith that he was sent by God. But in Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says he showed up one day and John the Baptist was baptizing people. And as he was baptizing people, he came up to be baptized. And when he came up to be baptized, the argument is, I don't, I don't deserve to baptize you. Jesus says, yes, I must be baptized. And let me tell you why that is. is because even Jesus needed a pastor. I'm telling you, if you don't understand the, the protection of a leadership. It's, it's, it'll blow your mind. I mean, I, I don't know how I could function without that in my life. And Jesus understood that. That's why, why would he go and submit himself under a ministry, him being the son of God? But that's another topic. <laughs> but he, he went, and this is what it says. It says, when he went under the water, an act of obedience. Because John the Baptist's message was, repent and be baptized. Jesus didn't have anything to repent for. He'd never sinned. But he could be baptized. So when he went under the water, the Bible says when he came up, it says the heavens opened up. And the last scripture in chapter 3 says this. It says, a voice from heaven was heard. And it said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God gave him an identity that from that moment on the devil would begin to fight. Guys, when you had an encounter with God in your life, God put an identity on you. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. There was a new you. The old you was gone. The new you showed up. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he's baptized, says, this is my beloved son. Now, if you go right to the next chapter, in Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says, And Jesus went into the wilderness, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and the first thing the devil came to him and said was this, If you be the Son of God. Again, in Genesis, the first thing God said was, You are free. The first thing the devil twisted about what he said was, Dig gut, God said you can't. Here, God had just said, You're the Son of God. And I'm so pleased in you. And you look back and look at what Jesus had done. At that point, he'd done nothing. He hadn't done anything. The Bible doesn't say he resisted the devil. The Bible doesn't say he raised that. He just was there. And then the Bible says this. If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. The greatest attack the enemy could ever bring in your life is to challenge who God made you and make you think you have to earn it. He said, if you are the Son of God, you, can, you need to prove it. You need to perform it. You need to give us some kind of a sign that what God said is true. And if you allow the enemy to put a performance-based identity on you, you will always spend the rest of your life trying to perform to be what God made you, and you will never be able to do that. Only God can equip you to be what He's made you to be. Here in this story, the king, Mufasa, (laughs) took his son and set him on a hill and said, this is our kingdom. And he said, everywhere the light touches is ours. But he says, but in the darkness, in the shadow, there was an elephant graveyard there. There was a place where things and great things went to die. And he says, but there... Never go there. 
If you go there, it's dangerous. And if you go there, your destiny could be lost. But Simba being Simba, Cricket being Cricket, you being you, we've all wandered into the elephant graveyard in our lives many times. We thought that we could go and do and be and perform because we thought we could be what God made us to be. But we pick up in this movie right here as Simba is coming out of the graveyard and he got caught. Zazu! Yes, sire? Take Nala home. I've got to teach my son a lesson. Come, Nala. Simba. Good luck. Simba! I'm very disappointed in you. I know. You could have been killed. You deliberately disobeyed me. And what's worse, you put Nala in danger. I was just trying to be brave like you. I'm only brave when I have to be. Simba, being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. But you're not scared of anything. I was today. You were? Yes. I thought I might lose you. Oh, I guess even kings get scared, huh? Mm-hmm. But you know what? What? I think those hyenas were even scared. Because <laughs> nobody messes with your dad. Come here, you. Oh, no, no. <laughs> 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 Right? Right. And we'll always be together, right? Simba, let me tell you something that my father told me. Look at the stars. The great kings of the past look down on us from those stars. Really? Yes. So whenever you feel alone, just remember that those kings will always be there to guide you. So will I. Every one of us that have ever stepped across the light line into the elephant graveyard have encountered God at that level for a moment or two where we'll be living a way that we know we shouldn't or doing things that we shouldn't and the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come upon us. And because the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, like the king, and like I say, don't, there's not kings of the past. I just have one king looking down at me. But we start feeling that conviction and we think it's rejection. 
God has never rejected you. God has never cursed you. A lot of people think when Adam and Eve messed up that they pulled back and God cursed them. It's not what it says in Genesis. In the book of Genesis it said this. It said God cursed the snake and God cursed the ground. But God never cursed Adam because Adam was made with destiny. Now, the actions that we take, do they make our, our destiny a little difficult at times? Absolutely. The ground used to produce for him easily. But because of the sin that he took, the ground became hard to bear. The Bible says it gursed the ground and he had to work it by the sweat of his brow. So yes, we make our situations a little bit more difficult than we have to. But just like I tell my girls all the time, girls, there's nothing you will ever do, nothing that will ever make me not love you. I may not always be pleased with you and I may be disappointed, but I will never not love you. And so... There's been times God has been disappointed in me. There's been times that God was not pleased with me. But the awesome thing about God is this. Anytime I stepped into an area of life that I shouldn't, God was always on the backside ready to protect me and get me out. All I had to do was cry out to my Father. If you're here today and you're living in an elephant graveyard, you're living in a place where Things are a way you're living is just creating death. God is not upset at you. God is not mad at you. All you have to do is call out to your Father. And He will come running to rescue you, the Bible says. But the problem is, a lot of times when we come out of what we've done because of the conviction that we felt from the Holy Spirit we think it's rejection and somehow we change the destiny that God has for us you put too much value on sin sin does not have the power to change the destiny of God in your life now do you can you miss it absolutely if you choose not to step into it if you choose not to come out of what you're living in or if you choose to stay in a graveyard situation in your life yes God the will of God will be passed on to another you can see that in the story of David and Saul but the thing about it is there is no sin great enough to stop the will of God for your life. So you've not messed it up too bad in your past. Think about it. I told you this last week. See, we've been taught that Jesus died for our sins and He did not. Jesus did not die for your sin. He is too powerful. He is worth too much. Jesus never died for your sin. Jesus died for you. You're the one He saw value in. He, could, he got sin for free. The devil tried to get him to sin three times and it wasn't going to cost him anything except his destiny. Sin is free. You can sin, go out and sin right now if you want to, but Jesus paid for you. So when we say Jesus died for our sins, that's one of those ways the enemy tries to make us think that sin has so much value. Sin has so much power. No, you are the value. God made you, and you are the one with the identity that God can use. Now, since it wasn't just up to Simba in this story, what happened was he had an evil uncle that was wanting the position of king over the rest of the pride. His name was Scar. Scar was Mufasa's uncle. And so Scar had been waiting and laying traps for little Simba because he knew, if I can get Simba, I get the throne. And so during the process of the movie, 
the scar in this situation positioned some things to happen that a tragedy took place. And when tragedies take place, our things happen in our lives. A lot of times it makes us think that we are different than who God says we are. So we'll see this real quick and we'll come back. This gorge is where all lions come to find their roar. All lions? Even my dad? Even Mufasa came here when he was your age. Refused to leave until his roar could be heard above the rim. All the way up there? That's when you know you found it. With a little practice, you'll never be called a cub again. Watch this. You'll get it, Simba. Just takes time. I'll check on you later. Dad will be so proud, won't he? It's a gift he'll never forget. There he is. Let's go. Little Roar. on the moon. Uh, Mufasa, quick, stampede in the gorge. Simba's down there. Simba?
help me! And the father dies. In the movie line there, what happens is when Simba gets to the dad, he's trying to wake him up and when he realizes he's dead, Scar walks up and he says, what have you done? And then he looks at Simba and says, run and never come back. Here in this movie, we pick up where he starts running to get away from his past. Most of us spend most of our life trying to run from what we've done in our past, trying to be... We run because we're afraid that if, if we have to ever be positioned in that way, that people would change the way they think about us or it would change our destiny or maybe we can't fulfill what God did because of the mistakes or situations we were involved in. said something real important at the very beginning of that clip and he said this. He said, this is where lions come to find their roar. You need to practice your roar, he said. You need to know something. That you don't have to go anywhere to find your destiny. And you don't have to perform any way to get your destiny. As a matter of fact, the only way you can get your destiny is if you hear the Father's voice. Because when God speaks, He tells you who you are. Now, He said you would never be called a cub again. If you go into 1 Samuel, the Bible says that there was a little boy that was a prophet, uh, was a working in the temple, working in the house of the Lord, and he was a servant boy. It calls him servant boy multiple times. But the Bible says one night he was asleep, and Eli, the prophet, was asleep as well, and he heard a voice, and it said, Samuel, and he jumped up, and he ran into Eli's room and said, yes, sir, here am I. And he said, I didn't call you, and he went back, and he laid down again. He says, he heard the word Samuel. Someone called his name. He jumped up and went back and said, Eli, here I am. You called me. He says, no, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So he went back, and he heard Samuel. He ran back to Eli's room, and he says, you called me. I heard you. You called me. He says, that's not me. That's God. Go back and lay down. And if he calls you again, you say, here am I. God called again. And it was the last time in the Bible that Samuel was ever called a servant boy. From that point on, he was called a prophet of God. If you were trying to get your roar to a place where you think it's going to cause you to be what God made you, you will never be. The only way you're going to fulfill your destiny is if you learn how to hear the Father call you by name. God is constantly speaking to you in your life. The truth is most Christians never learn to hear God speak. You can never be what God made you to be until you hear who made you tell you what you are. Now, what happens is most of the time because people don't take the time to find out what God says and who God made them, they try to get away from their mistakes and they move into a place called Akuna Matata. In the movie, if you've seen it, this is the name. It's a place that is called a place of no worries and no cares. They move to a place where they don't have to worry about the stress of life or you move to a place that, you know what I'm saying, you get away from your mistakes far enough that you can just coast and get by. So they spend their entire life just trying to get on easy street. The problem with the Kuna Matata is this. Lions are made to eat meat. 
in Kunamatata, everyone there ate bugs. What you have to understand is this. You were never made to live a Makuna Matata life. God made you to be able to handle the burden of difficulty. As a matter of fact, the Bible says He will ever, never let you go through anything that you can't handle without creating a way of escape. You were not made to coast through life easy. Your destiny is not to just get through by just getting a job and getting your bills paid and just paying your bills and living life, getting the nice car, getting the nice house. That's not what you were created to do. You were created to fulfill a destiny. There is a call of God on your life that affects the kingdom of God because you are an answer to a situation in somebody's life that is staring hell down in eternity. And so if you're trying and you're using your life to just try to get to easy street, you'll find yourself eating on things you were never meant to eat on. You'll find the thing about problem with grubs and bugs in life is they never satisfy you. You'll never be satisfied eating on a diet that you were never meant to eat, living a life in a place that you were never meant to live. Even you may not be living in sin, but you were made for more than just existence. And we've got a whole generation now that is striving to get to Kuda Matata. But the problem is, you'll never be happy. So we'll watch the next clip and then we'll be coming to a close. I missed him! I'm gonna get one of those vultures one day. I'm gonna get one. I don't know why it's so important to you. I just feel like it would make me feel better. <gasps> oh no, it's a little lion! That is not a lion. Well, then go check it out. What is that it? That is not a lion. It's a furry bird. It looks like a lion. Yeah, that's not a lion. Let me get a closer look. Excuse me. Oh, all right. Let me see what we're dealing with here. It's a lion. Run for your life. Wait, wait, wait. Come on. Wait, wait, wait. Come on. Wait. It's, just, it's a little lion. It gets bigger. Can we keep him? Can we please keep him? Oh, oh okay. Oh, I promise. I'll walk him every day. If he makes a little mess, I'll clean it up. You'll I'll be his little mess. He's going to eat you and then use my body as a toothpick. But one day, when he's big and strong... He'll be on our side. I've got it. What if he's on our side? Hear me out. Having a ferocious lion around might not be such a bad idea. Well, then, can we keep him? Yes, of course we can keep him. Well, My God, who is the brains of this operation? We're going to name him Fred. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. And craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto. What's the motto? Nothing. What's the motto with you? <laughs> you know what? These two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Take Pumbaa, for example. Why, when he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. He found his aroma like a certain appeal. He could clear the savannah after every meal. I'm a sensitive soul, though I seem thick-skinned. And it hurt that my friends never stood downwind. Oh, the shame! What's the shame? What a change in my name! What's your name? And I got downhearted. Every time that I... Pumper, not in front of the kids. Oh, sorry. Hakuna Matata What a wonderful phrase
so hungry I could eat a whole zebra. Ah, we're fresh out of zebra. Any antelope? Nah. Hippo? Nope. Listen, kid, if you live with us, you have to eat like us. Hey, this looks like a good spot to rustle up some grub. Ew, what's that? A grub. What's it look like? Ew, gross. Mm. Tastes like chicken. Slimy yet satisfying. These are rare delicacies. Mm. Mm. Pecans with a very pleasant crunch. You're learning to love them. I'm telling you, Kev, this is the great life. No rules, no responsibilities. Ooh, the little cream film kind. And best of all, no worries. Well, kid. Oh, well. Hakuna Matata. Slimy and satisfying. That's it. Now the problem with the Kuna Matata is this, God made you for more, and every time you get yourself to a place in life where you can Akuna Matata, God loves you enough to allow circumstances to come into your situation and show you your destiny, because He knows that you're never going to be fulfilled without it. And you say, well, Cricket, how do, how do I find my destiny? Well, you have an encounter with God. Because every time someone in the Bible had an encounter with God, who they were supposed to be came out. You say, well, Craig, how do I have an encounter with God? Well, I have three ways. One, you surround yourself with people that have had encounters with God. The people you run with, the people you talk to, the people you play with. The, if, if you run with people that live on bugs and grubs, you'll find yourself eating on bugs and grubs. If you run with people that have encounters with God, you'll find yourself having encounters with God. And so, first of all, you need people that have encounters with God. That's why I need church. That's why I need to come into a place where people that God has transformed their lives and changed their circumstances and changed their history into their destiny. I need them around me because if they've encountered God and you get close enough to fire, you'll get burned. Eventually, I'll have a time with God. Number two, you need to be connected into a church. Simba never would have accomplished his destiny had he not have went and reconnected with the pride. 
His destiny was not out there on his own. His destiny was not living how he wanted to and just trying to get on easy street. His destiny was connected to the pride that he was born into. When you got saved, when you gave your heart to the Lord, you were born into the kingdom of God. You became part of the body of Christ. And the Bible says that every one of us are different parts of the body and all of us have different functions in different ways. And you will never be fulfilled until you connect yourself into a body of Christ. But then thirdly, you come into where you know the Father is. Because, you know, I, I have no promise that God's going to find me living how I want and where I want. But the promise I do have is that if I will seek the Lord, I will find the Lord. And there are times I get up and I need God so desperately in my life that I used to would have got up and just said, God, you know, when you're ready, you'll just show up and show me like you did Paul. You know, I'm here on this road, going to do this, and I need you to interrupt me. But now that I have had encounters with God, on those days I get up and I know this. If I'll go to where I know He is, I will find Him there. You say, well, Cricket, where do you know He is? Every time you open the Word, God is there. Every time you begin to praise, God is there. Every time two or three gather together in His name, God is there. The Bible says, if I will seek the Lord, I will find the Lord. A lot of times we think when God wants me to do it, He'll just have me do it. He'll show up and He'll open the door. No, the Bible never tells us that He will open the door for us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says He stands at the door and knocks. You have to open the door. And so when you take a step toward God, the Bible says He takes a step toward you. You say, Cricket, I don't know who God's made me. Then you keep stepping every time you know where God's going to be. Every day you open that Bible and you look for Him to call you by name. I remember when I was sitting in a church service in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was 18 years old. I had no clue. I was actually enrolled in a college to go to be a psychiatrist at the moment because I, I, I didn't want anything to do with church. But I knew God had called me into it. And I was sitting, the name of the church was the Bible Church. It was over in Jinx, Oklahoma. And the only reason why I was there on a Wednesday night was because mom and dad had told me that I, for me to be right with God, I had to go to church. And so I didn't want to go to hell, but I wasn't there for the right reasons. And I wasn't getting anything out of it. Can't remember what the preacher said. But I was sitting there with my Bible and it opened. And Acts chapter 16 spoke to me. And like I say, I don't even know what the pastor's name. But I walked out of there that day knowing exactly what I would spend the rest of my life doing. God was in that word. God is in the church. God is in praise. And if you want to know who you are bad enough, you'll make sure you're in those places. And if you don't know how to find Him, again, you find people that have. Because everybody needs a friend that has had an encounter with God. Because there's going to be times you won't know. In the movie, that friend's name was Rafi. Rafiki. And here's his encounter. Was it something I said?
It is time. The lion sleeps too. I can't hear you, buddy. Back me up. A wee bum 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 bum. Creepy little monkey. You stop following me. Who are you? The question is, who are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh, come here. It's a secret. Enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. Bye. Hey, wait. You knew my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. Don't dawdle. Hurry up! Wait, wait. Come on. Come on. Would you slow down? Remember who you are. 
like the winds are changing. Ah, uh, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can't hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no! Better stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Juju guy in the movie. What was that? <laughs> but I personally am filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit-filled church. We don't believe in Huju or Boo Boo or whatever that was. But what we do believe in is the power, the fruits, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I say that to say this. There have been times in my life that the people I've had connected into my life because they had had encounters with God and they carried the gifts of the Holy Spirit in them, God has been able to use them to get me into places that I had strayed from in the past. What I'm saying is this. I couldn't serve the Lord like I was supposed to until I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter couldn't serve the Lord or fulfill his destiny in the Bible. He was cussing, cutting, and all kind of stuff till he was positioned to a place where he would filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning, you're in a spirit-filled church. Now, like in that movie, he was looking at that. I don't. We don't do that. But what I do is I know this. The Bible says that he gave one gift of prophecy, one the gift of of tongues, one gift of miracles. He gave the gifts out. I surround myself with people that have gifts of the Holy Spirit. Reason why I do is just like Roy and Miss Lovey's family there. I keep connection with them because I, from the first time I met Sister Lovely, I knew she had a gift of spirit, of words of knowledge and wisdom. And so I keep those in my life for on purpose because there's, there's times that I'll go through situations or circumstances. I sat with a group of pastors this week and I was facing a situation that I was very discouraged in. I couldn't make anything happen the way I was trying to make them happen. And so I called the pastor. I was like, you know, would you mind if I came to your house and I sit? He said, well, how long do you want? I said, if it takes all day, I want to sit all day. And he said, come on on Thursday. So I went out on Thursday. And I said, and I said, you know, I know you're filled with the Holy Spirit too. I said, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I understand, but there's some things I can't do alone. And so I need you to pray with me today. And I need the gift that is in you to come and minister to the gift that's in me. And you say, well, cricket, show it to me in the scripture. Well, the Bible says that when Mary 
Bible says, says that she was going to have a baby. And she said, how? He said, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon her. She was pregnant. First thing she did, she went and found Elizabeth, who had a baby in her. Because she knew, I got to get with some people that have the same thing in them that I have in me. And the Bible says when she came up to Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit that was in her jumped on Elizabeth and it filled the baby up. What I'm saying is this, we're contagious. And I surround myself with people that are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason why I do is because I need what they got in me. If you are struggling in your walk with the Lord and fight, you may know what God's called you to do, but you don't have the power to do it. You need to get around people that are empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it will affect and change your destiny and the ability for you to accomplish it. And just like, and I was going to take advantage of Rafiki in that because I, I don't ever want to be in a part of a service where I know the power of the Holy Spirit can do something and people that need to be impacted by have the opportunity to but here in the story he found he found and remembered who he was he had a God moment a God encounter the way the movie ends he goes back to where he was never able to withstand against his uncle Scar before he went in and he conquered he won he set the pride free and he put it all back together the way it was supposed to be done the scripture that I hold most in my life about my destiny and your destiny is found in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. And it says this, What the devil meant for harm, God will use for good. But then a lot of times we stop right there. What the devil meant for harm, God meant for good. But then it says this, in order, destiny is about to be shown to you, in order to bring it about on this day to save many people alive. Another translation says to save many people's lives. I'm about to tell you what your destiny in your life is. And the devil has tried everything possible and used everything possible to keep your destiny from coming about. Because when the devil looks at you, he sees potential. The problem with potential is this. It's just a good idea. You have to start living purpose. And it says that everything the devil has done to you, your past, your failures, your mistakes, your upbringing, the issues that you broke into, things that have been messed up. Y'all come ahead and play. We're done. Um, the things that the enemy you thought the devil was trying to use to stop you. The Bible here says, God, but God meant it for good. The only reason why any of this that you're going through has been allowed to happen, the only reason why you've had the heartaches, the only reason why that God let that person do what they did to you, the only reason why God is not a wife beater, He didn't do it on purpose, He didn't do it because He couldn't stop it, He didn't do it because it didn't happen because, you know, we're just, He's not involved or He didn't care. The Bible says that the devil did it, but God allowed it to happen for a purpose. And when you understand you have a purpose, 
All those times you've been broken hearted. All the struggles that you've been dealing with. All the times that you've been hurt or disappointed. God said, the devil did it. I didn't forget you and I didn't leave you. And it didn't happen because I don't care. I allowed it to take place because you're connected to a destiny and a purpose. And if you will just hold on long enough, if you will realize that I made you with purpose, I've made you with destiny, I've made you for a reason and you're here and you have an identity and there's no one like you and God wants you to be who you are that because there will be many people that will be saved. Let me ask you, I was asking somebody this question last week. They were telling me about the situation they were going through and it was extremely bad. Extremely hard. And I I told them the scripture and this is what I said. I said, I don't believe God has forgotten you. I believe God is letting you go through it because you love somebody enough that if you weren't going through it, they wouldn't make it. What you're going through, there's somebody connected to you now or connected to you in your future that's connected to your destiny and they will not make it if this was not going on in your life right now. So there's a destiny in it. So you can either try to get out of the situation you're in and find a kuna matata and give up on your destiny. Or you can be who God made you to be. You can man up. You can bow up. And you can say that, you know, there's something in my future that somebody I love has to see me go through this so they can make it through what they're going through. The other day I was faced with this situation and I'm done. And I was very upset about what was taking place. I was griping and running my mouth. And my little girls were in the car with me. And one of them said, Dad, are we supposed to handle it like that? Don't you let they know. First I wanted to pull over and spank her. But then secondly, I said, you know what? I would let anybody I know do anything they wanted to to me, abuse me in any way for my girls to learn how to go through the same situation. And so it changed it because I love my girls enough that I don't care how bad you do me. My girls get to see me do it right. And when they get where I am, they won't be as broken as I am because they saw me do it right. What I'm saying is this, what you're going through, there's somebody. Are your future children worth it? Are your children worth it? Is your future husband worth it? Is your your family member that's right now dying and going to hell, is he worth what you're going through right now? And anybody I've ever met that loves somebody would say yes. And you need to know your destiny is this. It's not for what you're going through. It's because God's going to use you to save their life. Does that make sense? Do you receive it? Real quick, I'm going to close. If you're here today and you say, Cricket, I don't know who I am, but I need to know who I am. I want you to come forward and we're going to ask God to call you by name. If you're here today and you say, Cricket, I'm like Simba. I need somebody to pray with me today to help me remember who I am because I've gotten a long way from where I'm supposed to be. Thank you. Hug my neck. I don't want to leave you up here. Sister Vashta, will you come right here with her?
if you're here today and you need to have a God encounter, please don't walk out of here today without one of our prayer leaders that are coming up right now. Our prayer is coming up. Sister Lovely, will you come up? Anyone that knows what their spiritual gifting and their gift of the Holy Spirit flows through them, would you come up? If you're here today and you say, Cricket, I need reminded. You may need a prophetic word. You may need a word of wisdom. You may need a miracle. Working a miracle. Would You may need something to help you remember who you are. Then you come up and you get prayer from these guys. If you're here today and you've live most of your life out of the will of God that you know that God has for you but you're ready today to make a complete commitment to it I'm going to count to three if I've said any of those things I want you to come up here we're going to pray we're going to see God move if not you're going to be dismissed